Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another episode of Standing on the North Bank podcast from Wales Online. My name is Matt Davis and today I'm joined by Swansea City writer Andrew Gwillem and Chief Football Writer Chris Wavin. Morning gents, you okay? Morning, mate. Yeah, good thanks. Yeah, well, it's a shame we can't say the same about Swansea, really. Um, another weekend, uh, another defeat. Um, can you give us what the performance was like at the Bet 365? I mean, great start, but it just really, really sort of tailed off in its second half. Yeah, I think it. Um, I think you put into you know, there's a stark kind of showing of just how how brittle the confidence is in this Swansea side is. Um, you know, as you mentioned there, they started really well. You know, Wilfred Borney, lovely finish, you know, against his former club, and which he clearly enjoyed. Um, and for most of that sort of first 35 minutes, Swansea were pretty comfortable. You know, Stoke huffed and puffed without really creating anything to worry Lucas Fabianski. Um, and Swansea controlled possession, you know, relatively well. You know, when they got the ball back off Stoke, didn't rush, they were able to keep it through long spells and frustrate them. And at that stage, you know, you would have thought they looked well set, you know, for a good, for a good result. And then, you know, Leroy Fur, um, only he really knows what he was thinking in that situation where, you know, he's got the ball on the 10 yards outside his own box. There's no defender anywhere near him. Turns into trouble, loses the ball. Joe Allen, of all people, is on to it. Two touches later, you know, Shakiri puts it in the net and one all. And from there... You know, until half until half time, Swansea were an absolute rabble. There's no other way to say it. You know, they conceded the second, but there were two other occasions when Stoke could very easily have punished them. You know, and having been so comfortable, they could have been four one down at half time. Um, regrouped a little bit in the second half, but that confidence just wasn't there. You know, they had, pl- they had plenty of ball in Stoke's half, but created very little with it. And you know, even when they did, you know, Abraham beats a man, sets up Klukas, who you know, pretty much falls over his own feet, trying to put the ball in the net. And the closest they came was, you know, Ryan Shawcross nearly heading the Tom Carroll free kick past his own keeper. And it was it was grim, you know, just just to see a side in that in an instant just lose any semblance of confidence and belief. It was it was very very worrying. And you know, just I think Paul Clements post match press conference kind of summed it up really it just struck me as a man who's exasperated mm. you know looked at the end of his tether and arguably um, a bit fed up was it Echo, Echoes of Bradley era there you know there was it, his sides were so brittle in confidence weren't they they could see the goal and it would just sort of go to pop wouldn't it um, yeah I mean they didn't obviously they didn't go on to concede yeah four, I was going to say five, I, think, like, I, I think the difference is to say that under Bradley that when, Swan, when, when things crumbled, you know, it, it went, went to 2, 3, 4, <laughs> nil, yeah, or 4, bad. 1, or 5, nil or whatever. So, not, not, not in that sense, but you, can, but you can still see that it takes one goal. It, it, that's all it seems to take, one goal against them, and heads start turning down defeat, mm-hmm. so, you know, shoulders slump. Um, 
and you, you can just see it. It's it's visible. It's tangible. You can just see it draining out to them, and you know there's there's no real easy solution mm-hmm. for that other than <laughs> winning games. But you you don't see you know on the evidence of some performances at the moment, you don't really see that coming. I, you weren't there, Waz, but I, I, I presume you caught up on the highlights. What do you reckon? Yeah, it was my daughter's birthday party, so I managed to stay clear of anything as depressive as the, as the game up at Stoke. I <laughs> did pluck up the courage to, to watch the highlights and um, well, low lights. Um, yeah, no highlights. <laughs> surprised, really, because having got themselves into the lead, as Andrew said, you know, and putting them in themselves in that position given how they can be organised and they then conspire to throw it away um, but then you know as John Tosh I've often said the only thing that surprises me in football is that people are, are surprised uh, I think confidence is a, a big problem yet again um, I go back to the decision uh, to let go Ian Mitchell um, mm. who's the head of uh, head of performance or psychology performance with a big impact uh at the club doing very much times obviously gone on to a great success with Wales mm. but sort of marginalised by uh, Francesco Guidi mm. and then somehow allowed allowed to leave when he was an asset um, you know, said, I've said that before yeah. uh, but to be perfectly honest you can bring in Sigmund Freud and I don't think he'd make <laughs> much of a difference right now because well we're seeing it isn't it the quality isn't there in too many areas um, you know Leroy Fur giving the ball away is that's not something that we all haven't seen mm. since he first signed for the club. You know, he, he looks good off the bench, but he then gets put back into the side and he does the same things that frustrate you, um, you know, back back 18 months ago. Mm. It's, it's just repeating the same mistakes, whether it's individually or collectively, and it's... Um, Tiring is, is is one way of putting it. I can completely understand why Paul Clement's feeling exasperated, and um, and he does clearly take defeat hard. He doesn't. He isn't able to hide his emotion. But I also feel I wrote something about about this last week. Is that he set himself up for a fall a little bit as well. He is from the very early stages of the season. He's been putting pressure on games where he, he hasn't managed it well enough in terms of the messages via the media. You know, calling Stoke a cup final, mm. that's fine. And, you know, he's probably, you know, fans know how important it is. He knows how important it is. He's probably, with the best of intentions, trying to get over that he and the squad are perfectly aware of how important these games are and how they need to win games, etc., etc. But the pressure's been building since, like, the Newcastle and Watford game where they were described as you know, close to must-wins. That takes its soul. Where do you go when you lose a cup final? What does mm. that mean? Now you've called it that. Now what does that make West Brom? And then so the pressure increases. Um, and so the confidence and the belief can be even more affected because you're going into those you know, must-win, too afraid to make mistakes. And especially when you're on about a side needing to be more creative. Then the natural thing very often is when you're faced with difficult uh, circumstances and pressure in situations is that you go into your shells, you play it safe, you uh, are more uh, acutely aware of the of the stakes of making a mistake, so you keep it more simple. Swansea can't afford to do that at the moment. This is the rut that they're in. 
and um, and it's very difficult to see now how they, they come out with it because you did think with that you know improved performance against Bournemouth um, that you know some signs of a, a greater resilience in organisations against Chelsea um, and it's all taken a massive step back again um, so I don't know I don't know where Clement goes hmm. I don't know where anyone goes with it all it's uh, it is all rather bleak. You ruined my running order there because I, I, I had the question about where do they go from here <laughs> and the Stoke Games Cup final. So <coughs> absolutely ruined that. Cross that out. Cross that out. Um, I want to touch on on Joe. I know that you wrote a piece um, on Sunday, was it? Or Sunday for Monday? Yeah. He was brilliant again. How did we get to the stage where? But he didn't come back. I mean, you know, it's it's almost I, I can't even put it into, put it into words. I mean, he was <laughs> he should he should be in the Swans midfield, and he should, in my opinion, he should be wearing the armband as well. Just a, a really frustrating, it almost hammered home the the frustrations of the afternoon that he was the player that picked him apart again. And he has yeah. done before as well. And he has done, yeah. I mean, that's twice they've been up to the Britannia with him in the Stoke shirt, and twice he's been absolutely brilliant against them. Um, I mean, as you say, he really he should be in a Swansea City shirt. You know, I'm, I'm, and I'm not talking about the pursuit of him in the summer where they had a twenty million pound bid rejected. You know, we're talking about the summer, summer before, before where he was available prior to the Euros for somewhere in the region of eight million pounds, and that wasn't done. And by the time he had a fantastic Euros. You know the price had gone up. Stoke would meet it, and and, and Swansea weren't prepared to. And you know, my personal my personal view, and I I appreciate a lot of supporters might not agree with me. I personally feel that had they appointed Brendan Rodgers and not handed Guidelin a new deal uh, just at the end of that season before the Euros, and had they signed Joe Allen, I personally don't feel. Swansea would be where they are now, and oh, I know it's. I, and I know I it's, completely agree. And I know it's a lot to say that on the back of just two individual people, but I genuinely cannot foresee that this club would be where it is now had those two decisions gone different ways. Had they signed Joe Allen, had they reappointed Brendan Rodgers, um, you know, Joe absolutely fantastic on the weekend. No surprise, you know. I just think in microcosm that moment where Fur lost the ball and he picked it up. And you know, as the ball fell to him, you know, it's in a dangerous area. Mm. But what he did next, you know, one touch to control it, to get it out of his feet, one touch, a lovely slide rule ball into Shakiri, you know, who's just ahead of Van der Horn, who obviously not anticipating the first gonna give the ball yeah. away in that situation, and a lovely one touch instinctive finish by Shakiri. And that if you like, that five seconds of play summed up what Swansea haven't got. So, you know, in a similar situation at the other end, could you put your hand on your heart and say that a Swansea midfielder would have picked the ball up with Joe Allen did, do what he did, yeah. and find the perfect pass for someone to put it away? And I've got to be honest, I I I don't think I could no. say with any certainty that someone would have done it. You know, and he was excellent. He even when you know there was a bit of unrest in that opening half hour among the home fans. You know, a bit of disquiet when they were playing back or they were having to play sideways. He kept them going. You know, he just he has so much energy. He links the play so well for them. Uh, he was absolutely outstanding. And, um, you know, yeah, you, you you just can't help but wish that he was in a Swansea shirt. <laughs> Waz, I, I know you're a fully, a fully signed up member for the Joe Allen Appreciation Society. Do you, do you echo what Will said there? 
Yeah, I mean, look, some some of the events were in Swansea's control, some weren't. Um, they should have just gone for it before the Euros, as you say, but obviously there was uh, in the midst of a takeover and people weren't ready to commit. Um, but, you know, the club have suffered as a result of that. Um, afterwards, I think, you know, when Stoke came in, I think that's when there was a bit more sympathy in terms of, I think, there was Swansea in the middle of paperwork at that point. But the deal could have been done before he stepped on a plane to France, uh, back in the Euros. Well, gone over all ground a little bit. Um, during the summer, um, Swansea did make a concerted effort, and I think ultimately then, with Stoke making it be known that a bit had come in, I think it was pretty much up to Joe then. And if he had kicked up a fuss and so said, oh, I'm, I'm interested and stuff like that, we might have seen it happen. Um, he, he didn't, he's not that type anyway. And you know, could you blame him? As much as that it's not all rosy at Stoke in terms of, um, you know, the football is still trying to uh, adapt to and, uh, you know, they're not a million miles away where from where Swansea are on the table. You can't really, you can't really look at the two clubs and say, oh yeah, Swansea's the obvious choice. Um, it does feel like we're raking over all ground. Um, you know, you'd, you'd have him back in a heartbeat. You know, what's, what's another centre midfielder? <laughs> you've got, you've got eight. Um, I think we find room for him. <coughs> yeah, but also it's the type of character that Swansea yeah. need and aren't, aren't, aren't showing themselves at the moment. They showed a good bit of spirit last year to pull themselves through, but you still look through that team and um, and wonder whether it has that same ingredients, that same chemistry of the sides that not only went up but took to the Premier League in the first place. Things that you see, it's more, it's easier to gain when you're a side that have come up. Granted, you see it in the Brighton team at the moment, you see it in the Huddersfield team at the moment. It is, and, and Bournemouth as well, it's been there a couple of years because they've got that. Um, that linear, you know, that those players that have been there uh, come up with them. Swansea, obviously, are, as time goes on, are losing more and more of those and probably hang on to a couple longer than they should have uh, in an attempt to sort of cling on to it a little bit. Uh, it is difficult then when you when you have to pay you know, big money and you, you and you go for bigger wages. That naturally loses itself a bit. And, um, and it, it, it's up to the sort of manager then and the dressing to, to generate it again. And, came out afterwards I think uh, did some stuff in the, the mix zone a bit of dressing room unrest after the, after the game um, I, I'm kind of torn on this you know is it do, is it is it good good thing good to see or is it rather rather worrying 
Um, well, half yeah, one, I, I think it, I think it's probably six and one half a dozen of the other, isn't it? I mean, you know, you could argue that at least if they're having a bit of a pop at each other, that you know, there's at least an element of professional professional pride, and you know, they care about yeah. results and performances. But I mean, you know, I, I personal feeling would be that you know, it's, it's all well and good being angry in the dressing room after the game, but where is that where is that aggression out on the pitch during the 90 minutes because mm. that is when you know that's when that is needed you know if you're having a you know if you're having a row in the dressing room after the game because you've lost the three you know the three points have gone you know if you can show it out on the field you might have an opportunity to pick it up you know if Swansea had, if Swansea had shown some sort of fortitude and aggression in that 10 minute spell before half time they might well have come away with something from that game on the weekend but they but they completely crumbled. Um, you know, look, if players are unhappy with each other, they think some people aren't putting in the required effort and they want, yeah. to, and they want to tell them, fine, no, no problem with that. That's how, you know, that's how it should be. I mean, that's, that's any work environment, isn't it? You know, if, if, if you're working part of a team and you think when someone's not pulling their weight, then you, you, go, and, you, know, you go and tell them. That's part of it. But We said you have that it, in this office. But it's, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's got to be out on the pitch, you know, if, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll see a reaction against West Brom at the weekend. But, but, but that sort of, you know, that sort of aggression, that sort of passion, we we need to be seeing that on, on Saturday afternoons because that's when it that's when it'll really make a difference. Not not when you're having a, an inquest after the game. Yeah, I mean, you understand why this this talk of our seeing seeing a reaction and it's almost like you know we've said it before, Groundhog Day, broken records. They're gonna have to at some point, you know. Words are are meaningless, aren't they? You know, they're gonna have to start performing out on the um, out on the pitch, as you, uh, as you say. Um, afterwards, um, on the weekend, I think our, our, our back page on Monday was uh, we had a piece saying that uh, Paul Clement not in any immediate danger. That's that's what the the message is coming out from the club and from the from the owners. We we have to take them at their word, obviously, don't we? Yeah, well, you know, that's what that's what um, you've been told, and as you say, you have to take people at their word. And I, I, I have no doubt. I have no doubt that there is a desire to allow him to turn it round. I think there is a realization. Well, a that he did. He did a fantastic. Whatever people think of him now, he did a fantastic job keeping them up Back last end, season yeah, because absolutely. that did look a hopeless situation. And I think there is a realization as well that you know, if you if you look now, and I appreciate hindsight's a wonderful thing. But you look at the summer, and you would have to say that did this as recruitment in the summer given him what he needs? You could probably say it hasn't. And I think that if possible, there's a desire to allow January to strengthen and give him the opportunity with a few new faces to try and turn it around. But I mean, by the same token, there are six games until January, and let you know. Let, let's you know. Let's be frank here. You know, if Swansea keep losing games, he is unlikely to get to January. Just because you, you can't have a situation where you take one point from 10, 11, 12, 13 mm. games. You know, that that is, you know, re- regardless of the strength of the squad. And I, I still feel they should be performing better than they are, even though there are inherent weaknesses. But, you know, one point in 13 or things like that. I mean, you know, th- those sort of statistics only end one way mm. and that is normally in the manager copying for it and being on his way 
Well, that's all I've seen. Yeah, what, what do you reckon? <laughs> um, yeah, it, I think Andrew's nailed it. What I would say is that I'd, I'd be amazed and frankly disappointed if the club weren't at least looking at possible replacements. Mm. I don't mean that as sounding out. I mean that as part of succession planning. Yeah. Uh, that's something the club did in the past and brought them you know, good success with it. Um, rather than, all right, time's come for whatever reason, we make a decision, and then, right, who's out there then? And then you're sort of left scrambling around and taking far too long yeah. to bring someone else in. There's, there's a difference between drawing up a list and thinking who would fit what we want to do if the worst happens and, you know, everyone will hope it, it doesn't. Everyone hopes that Clem goes on an incredible winning run and, and the list never gets used. But, you know, let's let's be realistic. Much rather than that, drawing up a list and sounding people out, that's a difference. And I think, you know, there was a baptism in the mouth by some uh, during Gwigalin's time where felt dead man walking, you know, there's suggestions of people being spoken behind the backs. You don't have to do that. But look, when, when Brendan was being approached by... Uh, suggested as replacing Redknapp at Tottenham when Redknapp was likely to get the England job back in that first season of the Premier League Swansea were already drawing up lists and Michael Loudrup was already on a list well before Rodgers had left for Liverpool um, and that's gone away and they need to start looking back at that um, regardless of what happens with, with Clement like I said there is a difference between phoning up manager X and saying oh look uh, our manager's going to get the boot in a bit what, what, what do you say? There's a difference between that and going, right, sitting down. How do we want to approach this if this happens? And like I said, I'd be surprised and disappointed if that wasn't the case and wasn't happening. Um, you know, it's something Clement, isn't it? It's, as much as you can have sympathy for him, these, these are the cards he's dealt with. Um, he's got to bring more of an attacking edge out of the side. I, th- I think that the side are slightly underperforming. I, th- I think there's big weaknesses there. I think individuals are not good. some individuals are not good enough but I also think collectively they have to do more and um, he's taken far too long to find a balance he's not really stuck with his guns enough um, you know we saw a bit of a change around at Stoke again just after we thought we were going to get consistency and there might be you know sort of fitness and uh, sports science reasons behind that but sometimes you just go you just got to go on, get on with it, you know. And, and if that happens, that happens. Um, and if, like I said, it feels like another backward step. Um, and it, it, it's down to him to turn it around. At the moment, it's once you get this feeling of a side that are hard to beat, but that are losing games, and that really doesn't bode well. Mm-hmm. So um, on to the next one, and um, and hopefully it doesn't get any more depressing. Hmm. Uh. I'm going to touch on Renato Sanchez. Mainly, we didn't have a chance to do um, a podcast after the um, was it Chelsea, Chelsea game. Oh, the, the, the Paul, he just had a shocker, didn't he? That first half, it was you know obviously summed up. Everyone's seen it. Um, yeah, I mean, every, everyone will look at the the footage of the ball we passed to the advertising holding, you know, and that that was probably the nadir of his first half performance. But you know. He, elsewhere as well, you know, he give he give the ball away, not far off as often as he had it. You know, Any time, Swansea got into half decent area and he got the ball, he give it away. 
you know, he's a bit sluggish in some of his defensive duties. And, I mean, you know, Paul Clement, after half an hour, looked to be giving serious consideration to sending Leroy Fair on for him. And, you know, I think probably thought better of it in the end, just as he would do more long-term damage to Sanchez's confidence by, you know, by making an example of him. You know, he's such so early in the game and he is... He's just bereft of confidence, isn't he? Mm. And, you know, I think, you know... You know, a lot of people say, you know, he's, <coughs> he's rubbish, whatever. He's not rubbish. If you look at Euro 2016, his performances for Benfica, that is clearly a talented footballer. And, okay, didn't work out brilliant for him by Munich in his first year, but he's still 20 years old. Still got plenty of time to develop. Yeah. The problem is that lack of confidence, so, you know, so important in football, so important to any player. He hasn't got it. It's not there. And he's struggling. He's struggling as any as any player can, but you know he's he's also struggling in his struggling side. You know it, it's it's exacerbated probably by the lack of confidence around him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we we all we all hoped for and expected so much more, but you know without without confidence, you know he's um, he is he is really in a rut at the moment and. Uh, it, it's it's very hard to see it turning around in short order. It, you know, it's it's going to take time, uh, and obviously, you know, he's only on loan till the end of the season, and we are we are rapidly approaching the halfway point. Do you think you can see him featuring at all the weekend? Perhaps. It's hard to know. Um, you know, he, he does offer something different. He has the capability. Um, he, he needs support. I think he will be a bit. He is a good player. He will be better. Um, I thought there were signs of you know, coming in, starting to come into himself against Burnley and against Bournemouth. You know, um, some of the comments about his performance against Bournemouth, I thought, were way off the mark. And then, you know, just inflammatory almost, you know. Uh, you get a reaction and get yourself on social media. Uh, but then, Sanchez couldn't defend himself in that performance against Chelsea whether all that's had an effect on who was a kid. I was in Fabianski's comments were quite impassioned in terms of, you know, almost lay off it. But he's going to be in the spotlight because he's a big-name player who made a surprising move. Um, who's, you know, cost 35 million quid at the age of 18. It's, it happens and he'll be better having come through it. The problem is Swansea needs something now. And, um, and, you know, the minute he puts a straight pass... On Saturday, the theme is is that um, it's going to lead to goals and, and and him looking at himself. He has to deal with all that, but you, you just fear that he might crumble again. Uh, I do feel you know really sorry for him, but and one thing I've said about him is that he's never he's never hidden. He's always wanted the ball. It doesn't matter you know, how many times he gives it away, and that's that's encouraging. He's not shirking, you know, the stuff about what he thinks he's, he's above Swansea. I don't think that's the case. Um, it's just that what he what he has done with the ball hasn't been good enough at this stage. Um, he looked really sluggish against Chelsea from the off. Um, I don't think it was attitude. I think perhaps it was just. I think it was probably tiredness. Um, but I mean, Swansea in a position where excuses or reasons or explanations aren't good enough they need they need it out there on the pitch otherwise it's all going to be a bit too late um, you know I say West Brom the importance isn't just about um, 
needing a win. It's West Brom just being sort of in, in touching distance, and Swansea have to keep themselves in that touching distance to give them themselves a chance if they are going to go into January and, and spend. And, um, and they're starting to see names starting to be linked now, so at least you know, there is encouragement. But they are going to um, use the chance to to enhance the squad and, and hopefully spend the money a bit better than it has been over the last two years. Not my segue really into the next, into the next question. Um, January rapidly approaching. Um, any indication, Wads, of perhaps we we all know what what they need. And certainly, obviously, need creativity. Any indication on how much do you think will be available, or are we are we going to be we still quite early days on that? Oh, you're going to be picking numbers up the air, really. Um, I mean, the, the 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 message from within the club is that the sort of surplus from the summer uh, of about twenty million will be definitely be invested in January. It'll probably take more, uh, but it all depends what you can get and what the market's like, and you know how long. The key would probably be how long you wait, because you know some whether you like it or not, unless you're willing to pay extremely over the odds. So even then, it doesn't help. The clubs won't let deals happen until they know they've got replacements or, and, and it's a domino effect through the divisions um, you could all be waiting for one big deal at the top to happen for of a knock on effect and you know you can be frustrated with all you want but that's the realities of the market um, you know you could end up having to wait until January the 31st that's, that's more than the six games that Andrew mentioned you know it could be going right down all of a sudden you know throwing a couple of FA Cup games in a date in February and, and you're into March before those new signings have got up and running. Um, so it's you'd like to think that they're already at an advanced stage with some of the deals, um, or some of the I shouldn't say deals, but some of the the targets and the planning and you know the, the talking that can go on despite it sort of not strictly being allowed until fees are agreed. Yeah, I'd echo a lot of what I said there. You know, what I mean. Creativity, you know, obviously, you know, a must given the lack of goals. But they need, they're going to need players who can hit the ground running because, you know, the way things are going at the moment, and unless there's a significant upturn in performances and results in that time, you know, they're going to be in trouble and they're going to need people to start digging them out rapidly. And um, you know, whoever come, you know, whoever comes in, it'll be. There'll be sort of a pressure and expectation that they're going to just come in and start to turn it around. You know, it's going to be a lot, be a lot for those new faces to deal with. But that's probably going to be the reality of the situation. Um, you know, as Chris said, you know, we talked about six games earlier, but reality is, of course, if you're going to get all your business done, it's going to take a lot longer than those yeah. six games. Not everyone's going to be joining on January the first, ready to play against Tottenham on the on the second. I think it is so. Yeah. It is interesting they've been linked with um, Slavia Prague yeah. right back Jan Browell. I'll work out how to pronounce his name if it goes through. Um, looks a, looks a decent prospect, having a very good season. Uh, the Czech League play international football, play Champions League football. Uh, a right back that can defend, but also go forward. So um, that tends to be handy, doesn't it? And <laughs> <laughs> um, Lord knows they need strengthening in that area. Mm. So hopefully that's a start. And we can see everything's been a bit tight-lipped at the moment, as they are on transfers these days. And very more often than not, you tend to find out to them from the from the other end. Um, 
the agents are trying to drum up a bit more interest. Um, so it, it will be interesting now to see um, how those things progress. But like you know, talking about hitting the ground running, like Jonathan Vieira, I think, unless I've missed the story, I don't think he signed a new deal at which is interesting. Uh, Las Palmas are in a bit of a relegation battle themselves, so one would they be willing to be stubborn to say, you know what, we're willing to risk losing him for nothing and not let him go. But then again, will he be the answer? Will, are you putting all your eggs in your basket in terms of you know, a number 10 or, or an attacking player from across the front three? Um, that has to then adapt to the British game. And, you know, you only have to match the words Rocky Mason and Borja Bastan to know that's not a, exactly a, a guarantee. So that, that's the position Swansea's City find themselves in. they also got to be careful financially. We can all talk about they've got to spend money, they've got to spend money. Yeah, clearly that has to happen. Right, but do you want them spending money to such an extent that it, you know, that it jeopardises, jeopardises the finances going forward? No, there's every chance the club can go down. So do you... Uh, you know, but, uh, no matter how much money you throw at it, and then all of a sudden you're facing sort of those those debts uh, in championship in the second tier with you know a limited amount of parachute payments uh, before you've got to make sure you're back in the top flight. So it's um, we can all say we want to, want them to spend money, but we've also got to be a little bit sort of realistic and careful what you wish for at the same time. Um, Hopefully that magic money tree that was talked about the last election sort of suddenly uh, suddenly shoots up in, in uh, Singleton Park and we can all be happy. <laughs> okay, uh, last question. Um, what happens at the weekend? What happens if they lose to West Brom? Do you think? In terms of? Does, does the manager survive? Oh... Uh, that's a nice easy one to finish with. What was the killer um, question? I've got to be honest. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. I. Uh, I think if they lose on Saturday, if he did, if he did not go, he would be on. He would be on the brink. He would be very. He'd be very very close. Um, you know they do have a game in midweek next week. Don't they go Man City oh, home? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So you know, I'd, you know, might he be given that as well rather than uh, dropping someone in it in caretaker charge a short notice ahead of playing a side in formidable form as they are? Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, the, the, the pressure's on him, and another home defeat is only going to add to it. Um, and you know, look, I like I say, I said earlier, I don't doubt that. There's a desire to allow him to turn things round, and there's a desire, if possible, to give him the chance to strengthen in January. But you know, if Swansea keep losing games, January could very well prove to be irrelevant. Mm. They could be adri- they could be so far adrift that a survival bid would be unrealistic. You know, the gap's four points now. You know, and I don't, I don't want to be a doom monger here, and I know this is probably been probably quite depressing listening for supporters. But you know, say that gap goes up to seven. Or eight, or worse, by the turn of the year. It's a different window, you know? then, isn't it? It's a different it's, it's, window. You know, you, know, you it, it could be, it could be done by then. So, um, yeah, I would, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna nail my colours to the mast and say he definitely will go if they lose on the weekend. But you know, he'd be, 
he'd be walking a, he'd be walking on very very thin ice I would suggest I don't know what you think well, if you want to weigh in on that pass <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It can all depend on on the manner of things, can't it? Yeah. You know, I think the crowd reaction will will play a big part. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no mistake that when the time was known when Bob Bradley went was um, was after that sort of atmosphere on Boxing Day when everyone's supposed to be in festive spirits. You know, and um, and and likewise, you know. So I'm looking through expected goals this week. Uh, should be on our, our site by the time this podcast goes up. And um, you know, basically, where the Swansea are in an accurate position, and you know, it's, it's slightly could be slightly better off, but not by much, not by anything that you know you should be saying that this is a big injustice and it'll all even itself out over time. But that Brighton game that should have been, uh, if I'm not mistaken, according to expected goals, you know, that could have been a Swansea win. Um, and so it's a narrow defeat in the end, but the, the sort of the feeling around the place, the negativity, the, the manner of the defeat, sort of made it made, made it feel like a different prospect. And if something similar happened against West Brom, you, you would wonder how that would affect uh, any any decisions making, any decision making process, or the talks that would never go on after the game. Um, likewise. If it's a if it's a defeat, where or like a, a drop, you know, effectively drop points against Bournemouth, when it was felt that they gave everything they could, and you know, dodgy referee decision, and there was a bit of siege mentality at the Liberty that Clement has been unable to generate on on his own. Then perhaps there'd be a bit more leniency and say, right, well, you know, got the Man City game as well, but you know, let's 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 be honest. Not even wins can save matches sometimes. Mm. Uh, if if the dressing room starts to crumb, fall away, which we've again, despite you know the sort of what Martin Olsen was talking about, there's not been any sort of suggestion of that. You know, there's not been any whispers of it all going to pot on the training ground. So a lot of things have to be taken into account, and not all of them will we be privy to. So let's see what happens, shall we, and hope for a win. Fingers crossed. Yeah, well, there, there we go. Oh, I've, had, I've had enough now. <laughs> um, right, you get your latest uh, Swans News on Wales Online, Twitter at Swansea City Live, uh, Facebook, which is um, Swansea City Wales Online. Um, thanks very much, gents. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Pleasure.